0: Hey, auntie Donna, how are things in California? Let's see, we're starting. Hey, Martin. Hey, how are things in California? How's the weather today?
1: Beautiful, beautiful weather. Had a really nice Easter Sunday. Everything is all good. How about you?
0: Yeah, it was decent. It wasn't it wasn't a bad, bad day at all. It was decent. Um We had a we had a um, a good Sunday Black LinkedIn room about um making sure that we reset and I think the importance of resetting is to know uh why you're resetting. And what is it that you're actually going to um, accomplish? So I think that's one of the key factors in any kind of reset is what am I accomplishing? What's my goal? What am I accomplishing? And I think that's, that's important when it comes to writing and writers because a lot of writers, um, you know, they'll get writer's block and they'll purposely reset. And that's not something that I think is helpful I think it's better to have a, a strong plan before you actually um, start writing, and then you actually can then choose what you want to do as far as uh, how and where you show up intentionally, so. Nice. So I'm excited because we have a young man in the house that I've Been following his career as a writer, and now he gets to the next stage of his career as a published author, and he's been showing up intentionally. You know, he's just been like (laughs) showing up intentionally all over the place. So I I know that he traveled to New York, and I was unfortunately was not able to meet with him, Um, and I really wanted to get a chance to sit down and talk to him. But I figured the other thing I could do is make him my first guest on our new podcast, Black Stories to Tell. Um, so I'm going to welcome Francois Demis. Now, uh, Francois, did I pronounce your last name right? Um, first name is Franco. Oh, Franco. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been saying Francois all the time, big bro. Franco. It's,
2: it's like that my whole life, man. I'm good. <laughs> because it's French. I get it. I understand. I get it. I get
0: it. Oh, I, I love France. That's better than Francois.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Welcome,
1: Francois.
0: Hey, how y'all doing? Good, good. Did you, you make it home back good? You off the back roads?
1: Yeah,
0: it was
2: good. I love the country roads. It's better than the traffic I had in New York, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> uh, yes! Hello! <laughs> so, you know your your journey as a writer, I think I've been following you for a year or a year and a half now um tell us what what got you started writing. Well, I've always wanted to be a writer it's the it's the only
2: thing that i that was consistent with my life because I've always been wanting to jump in these careers like having to go on something that would made the most money but what was consistent was in the background I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this job but I'm going to do this. on. I'm going to write on the side. I'm going to do this. job. I'm going to write on my side. But like around 2020, like probably a little bit before everything went down, that I decided that if that's consistent, that's what I really want to do. Why not just make that the focus? And the past few years, I've been making it the focus. And this year, I'm actually implementing everything I picked up and Lord willing, and just become published. So I've always wanted to be a writer. I just had to surround myself with the right mentors to actually execute it.
0: That's what's up. Um, I think in your knowing that, in your identification of that was that did that come in the last, let's say, four years of your life, or was that did you know that you were you were going through that process earlier? I knew I was going through it earlier. Even
2: the ideas I was having, I was saving them and put them to the side. It's just that it was just something that was eating at me to not throw this information away but just put it to the side because you just don't know. Like, if it keeps coming up to your life, right? Like don't toss it to the side. You know?
0: And let that be it.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. That's what's up. So, this, your first book, can you give us the title of it?
2: The working title I have over right now is Caution Children at Play.
0: Mm. And what's the, what? give us the synopsis of it in general.
1: Before you even do the synopsis, the genre too.
2: I'm still waiting on to see what I give to beta readers because it's my first book because I, I believe it's a young adult, a young adult science fiction or a young adult dystopian type, but every time I pitch it to people, it seems something different. So I'm waiting for the beta reading process to know for sure. But as of right now, it's a utopia that knows no crime that goes through a a kidnapping and it's the day of integration. It starts on the day of integration of uh, A class group and a B class group where a young girl from the A class group gets kidnapped. And the children from the B class goes out into the city and search over to prevent any action towards them ill will towards them. I compare, even though it's not that deep, I compare it as if in in America, when the day of our integration of, of white kids and black kids, if a young white girl was kidnapped, like the desperation that'd be in those young black kids and looking for that white girl. I bring it in that comparison so people can understand the world. But it's a utopia set in Florida and and these children have faith in their utopia. But as most dystopian utopian books go, they find out the realities as they journey more deeper in that utopia. And it's the beginning of it's the beginning of a series that's of five books, but the world is twenty novels. Lord willing. Lord Willing. But yeah. That's what I'm working with as well now.
1: That is so deep because it's not just one level. I heard multiple levels in what you just said. And so as we kind of go forward, I want to unpack it just a little bit. I apologize, but auntie is is old school. So I understand science science fiction, but please can you just give a, a brief uh definition of dystopian for those of us who may not know.
2: Yeah, dystopia is pretty much the future, but in like a like pretty much the worst of our dystopian type of type of future. Like dystopia is an imagined place or state. The definition is imagined state or state in which everything is unpleasant or bad. But what I'm striving for is a utopian, a solar punk reality Solar Punk is like Black Panther. Solar Punk is like a future where the science is thriving and it's the best it's ever been. It's utopia and it's a hundred percent it's great. And that's the reality our characters see and they believe in. That's what solar punk is, that's what the utopian is, but it runs on dystopia. It runs on it runs on the unpleasant realities of it. Like and that's consistent a lot of dystopians like um Hunger Games, Divergent. That that hits you right in the face with that. But I'm starting off with, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's a it's a running theme amongst a lot of stories like this where the the reality that you see is not the reality that truly is.
0: Right. And I also feel like dystopia has to do with fear.
2: Yeah. And coming face Face to face with that fear as well yeah,
0: so I have a question
1: um, that this really amazes me when you get into these areas that to me are almost inconceivable, but yet it's very much conceivable to the point where you were able to write about it in detail um, the a b groups is that a common way of approaching these types of stories or is that unique unto you?
2: I believe it's common amongst amongst the stories and it's an easy, just showing like the different societies, like the upper class and the lower class and the favored and the unfavored. And just with the way I'm approaching is how society views children with disabilities. That's the allegory that I'm playing with and and seeing how they treat them this way. Because when I've gone after these kids at this age, at this age was when I was in ESC classes and how how I was handled and fellow students was handled as well. Because I highlight highlight characters with disabilities as well. That's a theme throughout, my, throughout all my books. And it just happened naturally. It wasn't something that I had planned. But yeah, it just happened and it worked out. I really enjoying how it worked out.
1: I like that because I was a kid with disabilities. Do they get to be the heroes sometimes?
2: Yeah, e- equal opportunists for sure And every character whether heroes, villains yeah, we don't discriminate what they can be in for sure. <laughs> Everyone can get it in these stories.
1: <laughs> that's cool, they can do all of it, the whole range. I love it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um Just to go back to your working title, though, uh, what was the working title again?
2: Caution, Children at Play. Woo!
0: Now, I know it's sci-fi, so you probably can't do this, but I would love to see a caution, children, a caution sign like men at work, but it's children at play, you know, beyond, like, um, some type of, like, sign that's faded and like vegetation is thrown across it. And like, maybe there's like a, a hawk's, um, talent, um, there, you know, their, their feet, um, or maybe a, uh, a, a, bald eagles, claws, um, that scratched across the sign. <laughs> like, that's what I see as your, your cover art.
2: Yeah, I'm still on the fence with the cover. I know, funny thing is, I know what the book cover, like the actual cover of the book, but not the sleeve that people see marketed as. But when you remove that sleeve, I have that image in mind. Gotcha, gotcha. But I don't have the cover that that people will pick up the book for yet. But yeah.
0: I think it's... Go ahead, Don.
1: I like... I like that title so much and the way you're kind of setting this up. I'm already seeing it uh, being a terrific film, like a director's dream to make all that come to life.
0: Honestly, you know, today's um, today's animation, you could do an animated thing. Um, there's a guy on LinkedIn that's doing animation for like 3,000. And he has a class. He's going to teach you how he does it for the exact same price. I think you could do a series, you know, that was kind of animated of, of pre-story of, of, you know, pre this story as a promotion. So people get to understand where, where they came from or, and, or you could do a, like have a bunch of us come on and do just an audio uh, version. So no animation, but just maybe some of the characters um that you know again pre to promote the the actual story, but it, anyway, wherever it is, it sounds like you already got me um I'm here for it, um th- you know you got my brain turning, and I think you got a hit on you, bro I think I'm- it's funny
2: it's funny you mentioned that because i wanna want to do pre stories of of side characters with main characters making cameo yeah. leading yes. up leading up to every every book, you know? So,
0: so yeah, that's, that's great that you mentioned that. And you that's know, really cool. What I would try, you know what I would try? I would try to see if you can get in on um, Amazon. Um, what is it called? The, teleno- the nove- novella. I would see if you can get a novella, if it's, if the pre-stories could be part of novella, which lets you allows you to sell like 50 cents or a dollar or whatever per, you know, per story, just as an experiment to see, is novella a, a viable? But here's the here's the flip flip to that. What I believe Amazon is going to do with novella is I believe they're going to pitch if they if there's a high you know highly uh uh supported book, they're going to pitch that to Amazon Studios, which then will turn this into a series, right? But it's a series of the priest. So in a way, in my head, you're creating a universe. So you have the main book as, you know, the the main story. You also have this pre-story and those side characters possibly will want to know what happened to them too. So you create this great universe and that's what, that's where content is going. You know, when you look at what power with, um, I'm not a total 50 cent fan, but I am a fan of what his, what he has done as a franchise. Same, what, same. Yeah.
2: I'm right there with you with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, this is dope. I'm I'm glad I reached out to you. I'm glad I was able to get you, even though you just finished traveling half of the United States. <laughs> it's like I appreciate you being able to come on tonight. Um, so for those uh, listeners who aren't really familiar with how we each know each other, I want to ask a question about as a writer. You know, I see a lot of authors. I sorry, I used to see a lot of authors hanging out on. On these social audio apps, um, do you find as you got grown in your writing, you spend less and less time on these social audio apps because it takes so much energy from your thought process, creative process, or is that part of your creative space, your creative juices? It's definitely the only reason
2: I be, I came on Clubhouse for two reasons: networking and studying dialogue and interactions amongst people that I won't normally meet in the real world. And in the beginning it was, now it's distracting with bandwidth, but in the beginning it, it was just seeing, studying dialogue, interactions with different people. But my favorite thing was, as we all know of sensitive readers, I was utilizing cl- like social apps as sensitive listeners. I got in groups, I made connections, I got in, made little rooms and discussed my ideas, my thoughts about certain characters and what I had planned for them and just got a, got a feel for them, you know? Got got to know what the audience was saying about them, so
0: yeah. Right. You were able to take people's temperature without having to, almost like you created a, create a pre-beta, you created an alpha readers group. Correct. Before you created a beta reader group. Exactly. That's what's up, man. That's slick. I like that a lot. Um, Auntie, were you gonna say something? I
1: like it too, but you know, the lawyer part, trademark lawyer part in me, copyright lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> were you concerned at all about anybody stealing your idea when you were doing that, Franzo?
2: No, people didn't know what the stories were about. Then I didn't get details. Whatnot. I. Was a- it's pretty oh. much like you know, <laughs> it's like how Disney. Markets um, gets people out for their roles when they don't know nothing about the story. They just got a feel of what the script was, but they didn't know nothing about it. I just was pitching random thoughts. Oh, how do you see a Native American involved in this situation, or like with well, person with this disability, such and such, like this. And then with writer friends and author friends, those are the ones that I've grown relationships over time where there'll be even more and, and they do the same with their stories as well. So yeah, it's just nice to speak with someone and not just being, cause right now I'm on writer groups and on Facebook or emails, local emails and stuff like that. But it's nice that there's a voice that you can speak back and forth, like instantly about pitching ideas to each other, just to bounce back, just get a feel of what people think.
1: I like the way you handled that in those rooms and just not really giving any details. And, you know, of course, always don't, for the listeners, don't be afraid of a non-disclosure agreement. If you want somebody to read your stuff, you can always just shoot it over and, um, you know, make sure that you keep it private and protected. Uh, Fran, so you've done 36 books I'm reading in Goodreads. Is that correct?
2: No, 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 no. Those red, those red uh, books. I would, this, um, yeah. this, I'm reading constantly.
1: Okay, okay. Is this your first? Uh, I, I missed that part.
0: Yes, ma'am. First one. So he was in stealth mode all across that app. And I was dying to ask you what you were writing. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? One thing I, I really strongly believe is giving people grace and space. So however you show up, that's how I'm going to treat you. I'm not going to ask you to do more. I'm not going to ask you to do less. Just, you know, there's so many places we have to be inauthentic and we have to, we feel, we don't have to, but we feel like we have to, this person who has thousands of followers or millions of followers finally talking to us is giving attention. So we have to like, you know, be nice and be, you know, be like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And I right, want to you know, it, it. You know, be, nah, I'm saying it like, you know, it is what it is. It's a podcast, so you know we're not. It's not going on our radio. Well, maybe it will go on a radio station. <laughs> I'm
1: fine already. You know? Go
0: ahead. <laughs> I'll bleep it out. But you know, Franz, uh, Franco was was just he like he was just he was always in stealth mode, and I was like, what is he writing? What is he writing? You know, but but his questions were really good. His questions were awesome. So I want to go back to your your schooling. You talked about uh, children with disabilities and. Uh, I think you're including learning disabilities in that also.
2: Yeah, because I personally had a learning disability and and like growing up growing up at that young age being with kids like that helped me a lot. Even though at that time I I hated it. I hate like any little kids who hated to be different from quote unquote normal kids. But if it wasn't for that I want to be able to treat people like I do now. The relationships that I learned to have at that young of an age helped me how to handle people different from me as an adult. So I can't, I thank God for that.
1: So so normal is just not even a thing, right? There's a yeah. range. <laughs> <Yeah. And> there's <laughs> a range. But, but, but I feel you as a person who grew up similarly and uh, with visual disabilities. And I'm just wondering, at some point, uh, when you really get comfortable with uh, what you have to work with in terms of your abilities or or not, it, it almost starts to feel like a superpower. And I'm wondering if you've ever, if you've had that experience.
2: That just acknowledging that it's not, it's not something that I feel less, but it's it's part of who I am at the moment, whether you have people who's overcome it whether they they um get used to it or they're grown out of it, regardless of what it is it's part of your life and it's who you are at that moment and I really haven't grasped the superpower aspect of it yet to under, but because i've I've heard that a lot and um, and I've seen other creators use that term as well. But I, I can honestly say that I can't say that I have. And I probably am doing it. And I don't even know that I'm doing it, you know?
1: So so the reason I but asked I, you that.
2: I, I admire it. Go ahead.
0: Sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, no, you're the guest. You go ahead.
0: No, I'm okay. good. I'm
1: so fine. the reason I asked you that, Franco, is because you said, um, you know, it seems as though I have an ability to relate with to others in a way that I might not have had. And I I think you were alluding to uh, that this was a result of your experience with this disability. Did I, did I misread that?
2: Yeah. As a result of dealing with this disability along with others with physical disabilities at a young age, because especially in the neighborhood I grew up in and the friends that I gathered around. Cause I, I grew up with bullies. I grew up with people that are associating gangs and this isn't like a trigger thing or whatnot. This is just, this is normal out here. This wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing serious, but, um, but I could have easily just handled people different from me in the worst way possible, just in, uh, in the atmosphere I was growing up in, you know, but because I met that at such a young age where, and we were taught useful things. So we were taught sign language. We were taught um, how to read braille and stuff like that. And, and we took care of the younger kids that were in our group. Like they put us all in the same area, even though we were different grades and even the like years went by and I was in middle school and it was my eighth grade. It was my, I was in eighth grade and that, and then one of the young girls I was in and that, when it was in elementary was in the back seat and I went up to the mother. I was like, Oh, is that, is that Clara? And she was like in tears that someone would know who her daughter is. And she was just, of course, Clara didn't want to remember me because of her disability, but yeah, she was just so happy that someone would know who she, who her daughter is and just some random person who doesn't look anything like, cause she was like a little brunette, little white girl. And then me, showing up, like, just to think that I would consider calling, call her a friend, call her like a mutual of mine, you know, like she would have never thought, you know, and she just, it just made her really happy.
1: So I hear you saying that your observation skills were even sharpened by this. It's almost like we sometimes we have to accommodate for what we don't have. And you're l- listening and seeing in others maybe what you've had to endure, uh, like this young lady. Uh, and But you also take that skill of being observant, seeing in others what you may have had to endure. And you went into rooms and you carefully and as Martin said, stealthily, we were able to craft questions and people didn't even know that they were being your beta. That, my friend, is a superpower.
2: Yeah, if that's the case, then yeah. We're Good
0: sure. point. Good point. <laughs> I, and, and he was so mannerable. He was so personal. There's some people, you know, and I'm not going to say the person's name, but Franco probably knows what I'm talking about. They want to act like I'm doing a book in secret. But I can't tell anybody about it. And then they released the book, and they were like, "Hey, you want to read a chapter of my book?" And I was like, "Not really, because I, like I don't want to." fuck with you. Like you weren't really personable, so why would I want to help you? You know. And so you know, it, it's just he, yeah, his personality, your way, bro, was just really. It was definitely um, a, aff- you know, like very very personable. Did not make me think about. I definitely wanted to know what you're writing about, but I didn't feel like once it gets it, then I'll F him because he never talks about it anyway. I know he's working on something, but I don't know what he's working on. You know? <laughs> it, 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 it was, I guess, a law of attraction. You know? Curiosity.
2: Yeah, yeah. and i i finally come to a place where even like someone... There's so much I've said about my book online that it's still, even if someone did take it and run with it, it's nothing compared to what everything's really about. There's so much left out that's integral to the plot and what it needs, what it is that even if someone did run with it, it's nothing compared to what it actually is. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it.
1: And I couldn't bring it like Franco because they're coming from, you're coming from your perspective. So this perspective where, you know, a lot of times it can be difficult for, um, men sometimes, this is a generalization, so it's, it's, it's not really even fair, but people might think it's d- difficult for men to be able to look at the details sometimes or have the empathy necessary uh, to be able to get into a character's mind or another person's mind to create a character out, out of it. And especially the stereotype we have for black men, right, cold and sensitive, whatever that is, um, To me, that's just, that's a caricature and it's never a real person, but you've defied, defied all of that, all of that. Okay. I can't wait to read your book because you are the least assuming person in terms of, you know, bringing me a story of, about disabilities and, and these people, uh, in a whole utopian, this is gonna, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I want to, yeah, because I remember just seeing on TikTok my my fellow book readers on there and stuff, and just how <laughs> it's really funny how male authors handle characters, especially lady characters. And I'm like, wow, this is a thing. This is a. <laughs> I need to look into this and see what the issue is here. That I just want to represent people. Like genuine, because I have a, because I just feel like just natural characters, like how difficult could it be to, like, because I know how I hate how I'm represented as a black person, period, in certain films or certain art, and I don't want to want to do that to someone with disability or someone different from me, just just having an idea of what I think a caricature, like I'm not. I'm not at a fair drawing caricatures of people. I wanna draw the genuine look of who I believe this person is, you know? A caricature is one thing, but the actual person is something else.
0: Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. I apologize. I didn't realize my mic was open. I'm looking for my battery pack. Man, that's <clears throat> I think if if I could take you to a high school or even a college you know, creative writing workshop, um, I definitely will because, like, I think that's an important part of any young writer's journey. And it should, should be a part of any <laughs> any old writer's journey too. Like, stop, you know, writing people as just something you know or something that you think you know, rather, sorry, and write someone how you would want them to, to show up. You know, and I'm not saying, I think that you have the um, emotional intelligence to write fairly. Like, you're not going to overly make somebody so soapy good or syrupy good. At the same time, you're not going to overly make them syrupy um, bad and evil. So I think there's that balance that I, I often don't hear when I hear these type of interviews, I don't hear writers talking about balance, you know, in character development. And so I always find that, Interesting when a writer does bring that because it shows that we lost you a bit, Martin. Are you in the vortex? In the vortex, in the matrix. Dang it! Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we hear you. Is this better? Yeah. Dang. Um, But yeah, I was saying that you know it's 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 rare you hear a writer talk this way, and so the only challenge to that is that then you, you you get ready for a great book. You know, so it better be a great book. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> at this point it better be
2: Don't expect anything less. We're not expecting anything less but great. Black accident. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so I, I wanna I, I wanna take you back to when you were talking about dialogue and I agree with everything that's been said, just the whole insight, um, and your ability to to notice the details and the distinctions between how men writers portray characters and females and when you were going in and and having just dabbled in writing myself dialect can be really really difficult and i'm just wondering you know what what can you share about your style or your process in developing dialogue
2: dialogue is my favorite part of writing stories just the back and forth between characters it's so much fun it's so natural and it's great like there's a part of me and and every dial in every character in some way shape or form but when it's when it's the dialogue it's it's really great and I and I study like art that 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 favors me I have I haven't picked the book yet that I can compare it to. I really, right now. I'm reading. Um, Monday's not coming, and I love it so much. It's so good. But um, but when it comes to like, I watch a lot of series that I admire and see how the characters interact, with are like Atlanta, or I can't think of another one at the moment. But um, that's what I'm currently watching now, and just to see how scenes are set up and dialogue. Just attention, or certain scenes of um, like like scenes that just hold a person's attention just by dialogue alone. Like how can that? How can I interpret? Because one, you have an advantage on the screen because you're using more than just just um dialogue. You're using a visual, and I want to grab people's attention just on dialogue alone, just to have them focus on like the tension that's happening where it goes from one spectrum to the other. i want to grab people's attention where, like, I have you here, but you're actually over here in the terms of what's happening in this plot. And I just want to make it genuine between the people, just their dialogue and their characters colliding with each other and how that would affect the, how it would move and affect the plot. But with dialogue, like utilizing from the app and learning from each other, it just I just want to make it genuine. Just hearing people going back and forth from the app, especially in the big room, just seeing how to make it something real, how it would look on the page. Because even on the app, you have the sound. You can hear it. You can hear the voices and the inflections of their voices. And what I would have to struggle with between me and multiple editors is to keep my voice on the page because god forbid i end up with the wrong editor and my voice is taken away from and it's not even it's not even my voice i can't even call it my voice cuz a lot of these characters are so diverse like i don't want to lose their voices in the process of editing after working so hard with trying to learn and understand how they speak you know
0: so what you can do when you go for an editor is to request that they only edit grammar, spelling. Mm. Don't get an editor who is going, to, like. let's just say don't. So what I'll say is that people have come to me to edit things. And in that process I've edited probably about just six books in a total. Um, but in that process one person was, was incarcerated so there was no back and forth. I dealt with the person that was dealing with him and then Another person wrote a a very horrific personal story of their um, child abuse and and being in the system, and just it was just a powerful story. Um, and he was a twin, and his twin died in the system. And then, um, recently, a 90,000 word edit that was um, uh, a correction officer who was harassed on a job. So, these are intensely personal stories, except for the, the one that was in the prison that was incarcerated. That person was a fiction story, so like uh, I never edited three other books with two other people. But my point was, those three books taught me that, and I'm doing currently um, editing someone's book, a short short story book, um, and it's, he's from a specific part of the country. And so, to your point, <clears throat> I wouldn't. I asked him; he wrote um, instead of Ghana, he wrote Gone. G-O-N-E, and I was like, uh, do you mean that? Because it appeared 116 times in the manuscript. <laughs> so I was like, do you mean to say gone, or do you mean to say I'm gonna do this? And so my wife's from Louisiana <clears throat> and near where this guy is from, and um, she was like, well, they say that up there, and, and uh, for her, anything is above. <laughs> so she's like, up, up there in that state, they say that. And so I asked him and he, he he said, no, no, I meant that's probably a mistake. Yeah, take it out. And then a week later, he read, it, you know, he was reading the changes and he came back and said, uh, you have the 116 places to save? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. And so he was like, okay, good. Because I want to leave it in. So I had to reverse the change I made. But <clears throat> um, the point I'm making is that as an editor, and I don't, you know, you, you never hear me tell anybody I edit books because I don't, like, I don't really like the process because it's, it's, to your point, it's intensely personal. And for anybody to say like, Oh, I edit I I don't care what I I read. Like I just, I just edit. I just look for mistakes. It's like, I don't know how you can do that. Like, cause you got to read what the person wrote and you got to have some kind of allegiance to some thought process as you edit. So what I try to do is always ask the person, um, was this a language thing? You know, was it, and what you just mentioned reminded me that I was going to do myself is tell people, hey, I'm here to edit grammar. I'm really not here to edit language or dialogue, to your point, um, grammar and punctuation, because that's the most common thing you see. The language you know, is subjective. Like the, the correctional officer, it was really four books in one. And I told her that. I was like, this is four books. <laughs> this is not, you know, this is like part one, part two, part three, and part four. But that said, and she agreed at the end of our our, our journey um, that it was really, it was, it was, she agreed it was two books. So 400 page, 400 words, I mean, 400 page one book and another book three something. But my point to say that was that you have all these these personal um, argument, like you said, dialogue. Like, you know, I, I can't change what the correction, what her CO said to her, her, um, the uh, commanding officer said to her. Like, like he, if he said, "Ain't this, this, that, that, do, do that," then that's what he said, you know. And so, changing anything structurally in dialogue, to your point, definitely changes the the feeling and temperature. Of the conversation, and I'm not here for that. I'm here to just make sure there's no mistakes, no spelling, and the flow. Like if if you know you start talking to first person and you jump to third person and it's back to you know first person and then oh no third person again, it's like that. That's that's something I'm here for editing, but I'm not really here to edit anything when it comes to language or dialogue because you know, it's subjective, to me at least, it's subjective. So you can definitely request the an editor, and the edit- most editors will be like, oh, you, so, you don't need me to, you, know, you don't want me, some will say, okay, good, excellent. Then some will get kind of like uppity with you, like, oh, so you just think you got it all together. <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, you like, I bang you. Yeah. You can request grammar. You're breaking
2: up again towards the end.
0: Oh, I said you can just re- definitely request uh, um, grammar, spelling, and punctuation.
1: You know, that's a good point because um, that kind of makes me think. Francois, do you have a specific demographic or target market that you're writing or when you're writing, you're expecting, will pick this book up and enjoy it? Or does that not really matter? You just write. I know
2: how important it is to find your audience. And that's another thing where I'm waiting for the beta reading process and as as soon as it's fleshed out, to know for sure. Because even I call it a young adult. Because they say, or oh, based on how old your main characters are, but it gets it gets the places where I was like, I don't know if this is still a young adult. I met with other authors, and they showed me the line a lot of times that authors have went with young adults, so I guess it's in that demographic. But as of right now, I'm writing the best the best version of this story I could tell, and I'm gonna go from there when I delve into. People are familiar with the industry, and as they see, whether it's beta readers, alpha readers, editors, and different ones, and I'll even mention it to like authors in that in the field when they can tell me, "Oh yeah, this is definitely for this audience," or this and that. But yeah, as of right now, I'm just I'm just showing up. I'm just showing up online, and whoever whoever enjoys it when I show pieces of it, then. And That's my audience, but Lord Walnut I have
1: a definite group event sooner than later. So you, so I appreciate you answering that. So you have an age of the characters, and it seems like maybe that usually kind of guides the reader. I'm just wondering, back to Martin's point in terms of language, you know, or or content, do those go to the reader as far as you understand?
2: Yeah, as I keep it at that level. And another thing, whenever I bring up my story, and it was just funny, like people kept bringing up this book called The Giver, whether it was an editor, a publisher, a person, a kid who loved books, a librarian, everyone kept pointing to The Giver. I'm like, what is this book that everybody keeps saying my book is like? And that's a young adult book. And I finally got it, I got around reading it. And I see the similarities and I get where they're coming from, especially in the description. Even the synopsis is similar to what my book is. But yeah, that almost solidifies the level. But mine has, I feel like it dives in more into like certain aspects of what could be considered young adult and not. So I'm still writing that line trying to figure out if this falls in it.
1: Yeah, I just have one more question um, and thank you for that because I, I like to try to understand how it, how it works and for the listeners who want to be writers and they might be on the cusp because let's face it, you know, 15 year olds today could really write an adult book. <laughs> they don't always have to be young adult. Um, but one of the things when I'm just kind of listening to um, your your story and explaining about the the characters, the, the well, two things, disabled. So as a person who has, you know, a disability, I multiple, I never really liked the term disability. I prefer differently abled. And I'm just wondering for you, is there a stigma? But yet, I know people who have disabilities who are like, get over it. It's a disability. And why are you worried about that one way or the other? Wondering if that term per se has any impact on you. For yeah, answer, I remember. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Martin.
0: I say, before you answer can I just say this, this quick thing? I got in trouble on stage for that exact thing. I said differently, I said differently abled. And the person was like, I'm not differently abled. I am disabled.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love so, those rooms as well.
0: <laughs> got text. <them>. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> text Every everyone member who said,
2: "I'm sorry." Go that, ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Those cool. I got a text from an audience member who said that. Um, F that person. This is another disabled person. <laughs> they said, "F that person." I am differently able. Thank you, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's just like, you know, it's the whoever and however that they show up. My most
2: viral video on Instagram was loved by a certain part of dis- a disability group and hated by another disability group. So I just had to take it down because... The comments was taken up by the hated and 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 mostly abled as well. The major, it was mostly, if I was being honest, a lot of abled people hated it as well. The majority of it was able people. And that's what I knew that I need to, like, I don't want to let my message be lost on delivery with whatever I have to say. Because I have a, but I have a series called This Ability, T-H-I-S. A B I L I T Y. I like that. And I highlight people that you did not know had disabilities and what they accomplished, showing that we're not just we're not just this label that a ESE class has labeled us or someone has diagnosed us. That we're everyday people just as the same and we're doing more than a lot of "Quote unquote," abled people are doing. So it just depends on how how you wear this badge of honor to some and badge of dishonor to others, of how you want to be and how you want to show up in the world. That,
1: which is it for you personally?
2: Which is it for me personally? It's definitely an honor because I love I love the little community that I'm in. That I'm involved in. It's really it's really fun. And just I'm just, I'm smiling right now because I'm even thinking about the characters, like they're back and forth <laughs> and just like takes me back to like when I was in school and everything and 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 it wasn't all good like there was, that was bad too like everything you know but yeah it's nothing, for me it's going to be a shame that, and even though mine's not a visible disability like being associated with them like on these social platforms I've come to accept, they come to Include they they include me as well, even though it's not visible. That it's still a, a disability, nonetheless.
1: I, I appreciate your response on that, and I know for me the the dis part because this means not, and yeah. I don't think that there's anything that I'm not right, and so mm-hmm. that's what I have with it. But I do see both sides of it, and it is what it is, and. Uh, mm. Yeah, I I totally appreciate what you're saying. It kind of leads me to my next question, which is, so what if there are people who do not have disabilities saying, cool story, okay, maybe an alpha male, cool story, but I'm not disabled, so that's not for me. What would you say to that?
2: The main theme of my books is, it's all of me as knowing your purpose. Like, is your purpose defined of what society puts you in? Or are you going to find your own? Like, because for the longest, I'm hitting all the boxes of making... I mean, I'm perfect when it comes to, like, making money and having a job that pays your bills, doing what you want, and whatever. I'm great in that aspect, but it's not what I want to do. Like, I'm traveling, I'm doing whatever. It's great. I'm blessed. I thank God for where I'm at today. But it's not—it's not really my purpose. It's not who I want to be. Because everybody can relate
0: to it's not your passion, being out of passion.
2: school. Say that again. Not it's
0: not your passion. exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people can relate to being out of being out of high school and going after a career, and for the longest you've been in this career, and now you realize it's not who you want to be. Like the, the theme, the the main theme of my books is knowing your purpose, knowing who you really are, and also plays in a Christian allegory as well, to where, like, you grow up, you grow up in a church, and whether you want to live under that, doc, like, one of the allegories I'm running with is that you grow up under false doctrine, and whether you want to follow a true gospel. Like, you grow under... You stay in one, you stay in one nine to five your whole life, but you want to go after your passion. And, like, you're under a... Uh, you're labeled under a disability, but are you defined by that disability or are you defined by your true self? There's a lot of aspects of the story that I can run with. And even I, I tell you that, and someone can take that and steal my quote-unquote ideas and themes. There's nothing they can... It's nothing compared to what the story actually is. There's so much. And and I show up so much online. People see my voice in these characters as well. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I I hear you, and I can see that whatever you write, I feel like I would be able to recognize your voice <laughs> in it. Uh, and so I I appreciate that. This is a, this might be a silly question, but do the characters in your book who are disabled know that they're disabled all the time? No,
2: especially not in the first book. Especially not in the first book for sure. So that's a very good question. That's a very good question.
1: Wow, that's kind of intriguing. But the reader will figure it out at some point. No,
2: it's especially in the um. They'll notice in the side stories, but it won't. It's not so much on the nose. I mean, you have one character that's obviously, but like in the future, for sure. In the future, like, you'll know for sure. And especially since I market it on my platforms so I promote that. Whatnot, pe- like, people will know, because it's not necessarily a spoiler. You just know something before the characters do. That's all that is. It's not a heavy plot point yet.
1: But, Yeah. So I love that we've clarified that because we it is very unique to have characters in a book who are disabled, and we kind of went off on a tangent about that. But the reality is, it sounds like that piece could really go over some readers' head.
2: Yeah, because because um, I use also like just as an allegory as well that it's the dis. Children with disabilities, like people know that the theme is society versus children with disabilities, and whether they think it's just an allegory form as of as of now, and maybe it'll be a reality later on in the storytelling. There'll always be, I always highlight characters with disabilities in the book some way, shape, or form, because in the first five, because Lord one and I'm doing twenty. And the first five, that's the theme as of now. And I'm still being, I'm still, I'm giving myself grace to not focus on what the others will be. Even though I have them all outlined and I have an idea of where it all goes and where it's going, that I just want to focus on the, on this series first.
1: So Fran, so 20 books, did you just say you have 20 books?
2: That's the goal. Like I have 20 out. They're not completed they're just outlined. And and I say that loosely for the most part. But yeah, 20. Okay. That's baby, baby,
1: baby. How do you sleep at night with 20 books in your mind?
2: I don't. That's what happens when you procrastinate for years. You just save your notes. It's like, ah, I don't know if this would be a thing. This started as one of my friends just asking me to write them a short story. And it was just like a scene of a principal and these three students in this office. So yeah, of a prank that happened. Like a horrendous prank happened at a school and the principal was asking these three students that weren't at a prep rally. And then from there, these 20 books happened. So yeah, and all these side stories. (laughs) So yeah, that's what happens. get, write that book now or else you're gonna have a whole library on your hands.
1: Right, right. One of the things I love about what you're saying is, um, I'm finding this generation, for whatever reason, I say, I think it's something in the water. Maybe it's a, a hormone in, in our food, but I've never met so many young people who have, and it's not necessarily a disability, although sometimes it does become disabling, but have contemplated suicide. And this is really interesting because you're writing about people who are not experiencing always, you know, just all the luxury and joy of life. They can sometimes be in a corner. They can feel unseen, rejected, all the things that might make a person feel like, okay, I need to I I shouldn't even be here. And so it seems to me that this writing that you're doing is going to be timely and potentially even transcend people with disabilities.
2: Yeah, a speech therapist told me one time the only reason I was in here was because I was Haitian. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. You don't have a disability. The only reason you're here is because that you're a Haitian. And that really, like, that really, like, set me back, you know, because even thinking back, in our classroom was mostly people, was first gen, like Mexicans, Haitians, and different ones. And it really stuck ones like, are really in here? Do we have a disability or are we in here because of our background? And it's really important that you know who you are regardless of the situation that we're placed in, whether it's by society, by family, or whatever it is, like now you come of age where you can decide on who you want to be. I really believe that's important and who you're meant to be. So, yeah.
1: I love that, Franco, because Auntie Donna Brown, also known as attorney Donna Brown, started off in a speech therapy class in elementary school. And and while I wasn't Haitian, I think m- m- me and my brother, we integrated about a 600-person school um, population. And I was in a speech class. And that was just crazy. And then I went on to do, like people who know me now would never even think that that had ever occurred. But it is part of my identity. And I think um, it's very, very important to know that whatever's going on now, and I'm sure your books convey this, uh, doesn't define you. It doesn't really even define you now, it's a point in time, but it certainly can't define you uh for the future,
2: yeah, I really like that i really really enjoyed that and and I also want to bring in the harm the pros and cons of being handled in such a way as well. I really want to focus on that even if even if it hurts, you know.
1: And that's huge. So my son, I'm going to say this real quick and then Martin, I'm going to stop hogging the mic. So my son's in college and he was telling me, he was taking an education class. They were talking about preschool and they were talking about those who went to preschool and those who did well and those who went to preschool, but felt like they did not do well. And really what happens to us in our formative years, very, very early on, it sticks with us. And so they had proven statistics showing, you know, the kids could have been what and what in terms of their actual intellect. But those who were allowed to feel good or made to feel good and applauded as they went through a learning process that included mistakes and corrections, they did super well versus those who were made to feel terrible and perhaps put into some remedial situation. Um, They carried that baggage with them throughout their educational career and often didn't even go as far. So just to underscore your point, Francis, I think you're right.
2: Yeah, no, this is just a story behind the story as well. Like even... Like, throwing back to... You mentioned people without disabilities. Like, approaching this book. Or alphas, whatnot. There's still, like, an adventure that these characters will go through. That Because a lot of this really... Really wouldn't be on the forefront of... How it would probably be marketed. But it, at the same time, it is. But this is... Everything I'm saying to you right now is the story behind the story. So even though it's not in your face... Like most stories, like a lot of stories are like that. Like a lot of classes are like this, even though it's not in your face that like what's going on, what's happening with these characters or how people with disabilities are being handled or how making the wrong choices or having faith in the wrong, not wrong system, having faith in the system, period, <laughs> could be fatal or could go wrong. Like you hope. Like hopefully through the story, seeing what characters go through would express that. I would hope
0: Got it. Well, thank you, Fren- Frenzo. Appreciate you uh, being available to have this conversation. Can't wait to when the book drops. Uh, if you want to give us a date that the book is dropping, that'd be great, but I'm pretty sure you don't. So <laughs> no pressure. Yep, not, e- not even close. I wish. I wish, Martin, <laughs> but not even close. <laughs> I figured. I it, I figured. But tell everybody how they can tap into you and follow you for your great, especially Instagram posts digro that post that i couldn't unsee it's like oh god yeah if i have to see it we all have to see it (laughs) Donna, you gotta go to his instagram go ahead and tell everybody how they can tap in and follow you on instagram follow you on clubhouse or wherever you want them to follow you at
2: yeah you can just all you have to do is like follow me it's my name on everything type my name in there you'll follow it go to my instagram and follow my Instagram, my TikTok, my YouTube. If you just click, click. If you just click the link in my bio, it'll take you to my site, and you'll find all my platforms on there. You'll join my email list. You're more than happy to join my email list. I won't spam you. I'll message you once a month, and just follow the journey. As of right now, you're just following my journey, and I'm, I'm linked on everything. And hopefully, hopefully, I don't disappoint. I'd love for you to join me on my journey. Got great stories ahead of you. Thank you so much for your time.
1: I'm following you. Your LinkedIn, excuse me. Instagram is your name?
2: Yep.
0: All right. I'm there. Excellent. Well, this has been our first Black Story to Tell. Of course, this won't be our last. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have, please share and like this podcast. We'll be back with our next Black Story to Tell. All right, y'all. See you next time.